welcome to How to Lead a Group, a leadership podcast for everybody. Uh, this is where we try to distill the collective wisdom of the Crossroads community inside and out, uh, trying to understand how best to lead the people that God has put in front of us. My name is Eric Ankenman. I'm on the content team here at Crossroads, and I'm joined, as always, by the lovelier half of the podcast duo. My name is Jamie Sims, and I'm on the communications team. Now, Eric... Before yes. we get into today's episode, yes. it's time for our favorite segment. Of course it is. Getting to know your host. So, <laughs> today's question. Back in the day, what sports were I'll you back into? In the day. Okay. What sports was I into? Or what sports did you participate in? Okay. All right. So, when I was really young, I played baseball and soccer. And then from when I was 10 up until after I graduated high school, I was a swimmer. Man. So... That is that is commitment. <laughs> sport. It was what almost were, ten years. What were your events? Uh, so butterfly and like middle and distance freestyle. So all of the things that nobody else okay. wanted to do. <laughs> like, oh, you don't have anyone there? Yeah. Okay, also. Great, that's me. Awesome. Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate that. What about you? I played most sports. I took a turn in gymnastics and softball and basketball. And the things that stuck were swimming and gymnastics. I did those for large amounts of time. Swimming in how long? Um, man, I swam for almost 10 years. Okay. So, so you're, again, you're, commitment. Yeah, well done. Because yeah. Yeah. Well it, it was the thing to do. I lived in Louisiana, like, you swim <laughs> okay. all year round. All right. That makes sense. So... Enough tomfoolery. Let's let's introduce our, our guest today. We're joined on the podcast by Jeremy Pryor. Welcome, hey guys. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so today we're going to talk about a couple of different topics that are united kind of by a central theme. But before we get into that, we want to give you a little bit of a, a get-to-know-you quiz that we give everybody that comes on the podcast. Five questions, you know, like 30 seconds total, just rapid fire. Um, pretty easy stuff. So you ready? Sure. Good. All right. To start us off, um, tell us what you do for a living and a little bit about your family. Okay. I <clears throat> I lead a company called Epiphio, Epiphany Plus Video, which Eric, how long were you there, Eric? I was there six years. Yeah, we miss Eric terribly. Um, he was an awesome part of our team for six years. It's a fun place. Yeah. So I, I'm a part of uh, that company, leading that company. I do um, digital strategy as well for Epiphio. Uh, my family, I have five kids. Um, Kelsey is our oldest. She's 17 all the way down to Kyra, who's eight. So four girls, one boy, um, with my wife, April. All right. Awesome. What's your middle name? Marshall. Marshall. Yeah, that's my that. mother's maiden name, and it's, you know, from our Scottish ancestry. All right. Yeah. What's the best movie you've seen in the last year? Ooh, um, let's see. Probably uh, Hacksaw Ridge. That's you guys the have second seen that? time. Really? I have seen it. You have? This is the second time. Yeah, it's been recommended and I saw it. It was one. pretty stunning. Um, yeah, it was hard to watch. I don't know if I want to watch it again. It was hard. <laughs> I'm glad I got through it once. <laughs> the first 40 minutes are so delightful, and then the next 40 minutes are, are terrifying so, uh, and traumatic. How many cats is too many cats? <laughs> well, I would have said one for most of my life, but I did finally find a, uh, a feline that is uh, not, that is, what is it, hyperallergenic. That, that actually has hair. Do you know, there's, so there's hairless cats right. that like are hypoallergenic, which are you know stuff of nightmares. But uh, the uh, there's a there's a there's a uh, cat called a Russian Blue, 
that okay. um, that actually doesn't have whatever protein causes allergens. Oh, okay. So we huh. did finally. One of my one of my daughters desperately wanted a cat. She asked for years. I found this cat. I got it. Um, so she and I both are allergic to cats. We don't have a problem with this one. And it's like a hunter doesn't get in our. And, and I found a the, thing, the real kicker because it's the smell inside the house that drove me crazy, um, or the idea of it drove me crazy. There's a robot on Amazon you can buy that that, that <laughs> immediately cleans the litter. Like it's a, uh, it's a, the, there's some really cheap ones, but there's a really nice one that just like, and you don't smell anything. It's like magic. So, uh, so now I would say one cat, two is too many. Okay. <laughs> That's a long answer, <laughs> but one is fine. What's your biggest pet peeve? Oh my gosh. I, uh, there was one the other day that hit me and I'm like, that's gotta be the worst. And like, now I can't remember it. I, I blocked it out. Um, I know that one that that's a little bit weird one is I can't uh, eat cereal around somebody else eating cereal. There's something about the sogginess, the milk, the milk dripping, the slurping. I just, I've never been able to handle it. And it's like, I just, I literally, I can't, as soon as I start to see somebody else eating, I just stop. I'm just like, I'll try. So, so I, you can eat cereal yeah, and, I can, and, and somebody else can be, but as soon yes. as the two are together. If we're at the same table, it's a, I, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't continue. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's a good yeah, one. That's a good one. Yeah. It's unique. It is. <laughs> yeah. A word which almost always is an insult, incidentally. No, I don't mean that. You're one I, of those, those I mean, I've never heard that before. I don't. That's like another way of saying bless his heart. <laughs> That's right. Awesome. Okay, so look, enough tomfoolery. Let's get into the the meat of this. Today we want to talk about children. Yes. Think of the children for a minute. Yes. Um, you know, not not every group uh, represented by by our audience has kids involved, um, but any group that is made up of parents, you know, however many of them are in the group. Um, is going to run into the fact really quickly you have to plan for and think about what do we do with these children because children will take over everything if left to their own devices. So what I'd love to do is just kind of open it up really broadly and think not just about the times that you're getting together as a group but talk to us a little bit about you know as someone who's led lots of groups and communities and lots of different formats What's the what's the perspective that you take on accommodating and incorporating children into those kinds of, of communities? Yeah, it's it's a huge challenge. I would say with groups that I've led and trying to just logistically pull it off, childcare or what to do with kids or how to think about kids has actually been the most challenging part of it. it hasn't been the teaching, hasn't been getting the host. It's it's been trying to figure out with the kids. Some some of that's unique to. Um, the circles we run in, they tend to have a lot of little kids. We had five. A lot of our friends have lots of kids. My wife, um, her older sister has nine kids. Her younger brother has six kids. Um, all of them are young. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a huge question. So I, I, yeah, I think this is a really big deal. Um, the way that certainly the arguments on both sides are, are extremely strong. Um, mm-hmm. We'll put it that way. So the arguments against trying to accommodate kids are really, really strong you get to have uh, oftentimes a much more cohesive conversation. If you're trying to like really, you know, get into emotional topics, it's a lot easier. The logistics are a lot easier. Um, so the, the, the arguments you can stack on the side of, let's just not worry about kids. Let's just say no kids with this group, uh, adults only, um, pushing that button. The arguments for that are, are very strong, compelling. 
um, I would say equally as strong and compelling uh, are on the other side of the, of the equation to figure out a way to accommodate kids. Um, one of those arguments is we live in probably the most disintegrated culture that's ever existed on the face of the earth where, where parents and children don't get to see each other very often. We're constantly with peer groups. And why should the church and our spiritual activity be one more place that divides the family? Mm. Um, um, so, so you're saying that, okay, I don't see my kids. They're at school all day. I'm at work all day. I come home, you know, and then we're going to go different directions in the evening. Um, it'd be great to be able to, to do that. Um, so that, that's an argument. Certainly there's a cost argument that, that's there. Um, if you don't do anything for kids or for child care, you're, you're almost um, sort of segregating your group from a whole population of people that can't afford to participate potentially because they have to somehow afford child care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they, I would say that that uh, just, to, just to begin, it, this is a very difficult question to answer. Um, and it's very complicated and there's there's really it really is require it requires every group leader really think through this carefully mm-hmm. um, and uh, and going um, quickly to adult adult only I totally understand why that might make sense for some groups or for some leaders um, but if you decide to wade into this area and say let's try to figure something out um, to either incorporate children or to accommodate children mm-hmm. or or parents with kids then then we you have a big challenge ahead of you for sure. Mm-hmm. So in looking at that, if you're going to, if you're going to be the group that inc- tries to figure out how to incorporate children or be children friendly, right. um, how do you balance adult time with everybody time or yeah. adult time and child time and then everybody time? Yeah, that's huge. So a lot of this is going to come down to what your goals or objectives of the group are. Um, mm-hmm. So <clears throat> if for, I'll go kind of the two extremes again. So if if one extreme is I really want to um, to spend uh, a good 20 or 30 minutes in prayer. <laughs> like, mm. There's a lot of silent periods and like really <laughs> dive into what the Holy Spirit's doing. Um, and I've led groups like that and I've tried to lead them with children. Um, that's the, one of the most challenging things you can ever do. Um, so, so if that's your objective, then a, a really incorporating the kids is going to be really challenging. Um, and and uh, on the other, other side of the spectrum, if the goal is to really create a vibe of community, mm-hmm. uh, to really get to know everyone, um, to like have a meal together, uh, then incorporating kids can really be a huge um, bonus in some ways. I mean, mm-hmm. you get to know the parents, the parenting style, you get to know their kids. I want my friends to get to know my kids. Um, I want to go into a place where they're welcomed and they're engaged and, mm-hmm. and that I get to engage with them during that time. Um, so there's, there's the objectives of the group and then there's the age and range of the children. Mm-hmm. So um, I know one thing for me, having gone from having very young children thinking about this issue to having now teenagers and now uh, almost adults in the house, um, it, I think about this totally differently depending on the age of mm-hmm. the kids. So for sure, if I've got a two-year-old or something, or a three-year-old who's super active, I'm going to think totally differently then. Uh, and I get really frustrated, quite frankly, when I want to be a part of a group that says no children, and that includes my 16-year-old son, who mm-hmm. may really benefit from being in the group and, is, and can engage uh, at that level, typically with other guys, you know, at whatever age. But mm-hmm. now he sort of feels, I feel maybe he's not welcome because mm-hmm. he's considered yeah. a child. Um, so that's another part of the spectrum that I think is challenging is to figure out what, which ages are we talking about. So for for somebody who's, let's say, is, is getting ready to start a group, um, talk us through how do you set those kind like how do you make that decision and then set those expectations well with yeah. with people as you're getting a group started 
Yeah. So I think you really need to know <clears throat> the demographic that you're going after with your group and then what kinds of um, child care or family concerns that might that might be represented um, within that group. So if if you want the group to incorporate the children, um, that's there's I would say there's three levels. There's no kids, there's child care options, and then there's incorporating kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what I like to think about is <clears throat> is I want to be a group that that will ha- gives the option of incorporating the kids and potentially an option for child care if that's not realistic for certain families. So mm-hmm. um, that, that's that's a way to do it. That's probably the most friendly way. It's also the most logistically challenging. So it just depends on how. High what, what does that look like in practical yeah. terms? Yeah, like you're, so, you're you're hosting a group at your house. What would you do yeah. in that sort of scenario? So I would I would send out a pretty detailed email to the people I'm inviting um, about this issue. And so you might have all the other details and then at some point say, I have a paragraph typically about, we love kids to be a part of the group, um, but we have one simple rule, if they're gonna be involved in the group. And this can sound a little bit harsh to some people, but but I've learned you just have to call it out. And, and the way that I articulate the rule is bring your kids, not your chaos. Um, and uh, and what I mean by that is if if your child is capable of participating or sitting quietly in the group, we want them there. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they occasionally interrupt, that's not a problem. But what I've what I've noticed is if you do if you just say, hey, we want to be a kid friendly group, so please bring your children. Then a scenario where a child needs constant interaction and constant correction from the parents. Oftentimes they will come to the group with their kids and there's no way we're getting really get anywhere either with that family or even with the group. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very confusing for those parents because they're like, well, you said it was group friendly. So what do you mean by that? So mm-hmm. so then I tease out more what I mean by that and just just say specifically, hey, if if, if you are confident that your kids can can sit quietly in the, in the room or participate in the discussion, then we definitely want them involved. And if you think that because of either their stage, their age, their temperament, um, or whatever other reason, that's not realistic for your child, then then we will try to accommodate them through uh, some other means, either childcare in your home or childcare in our home. I like to open up that conversation directly with the families. Like talk to us, like please reach out and, and, and you know, let us know your situation. Mm-hmm. Like what, let us know your questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, let us know your concerns, like let's engage. Uh, and this works pretty well when you know the people and you know the families and mm-hmm. it could still be there's almost no issue though that that is more sensitive uh, to adults that, of children than, than our parents than their children mm-hmm. and their parenting mm-hmm. um, and so and so you also it's 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 a very delicate um, kind of tightrope you're walking anytime you try to engage like well can my kid be a part of this? Why did you mm-hmm. say that about my kid? Like, mm-hmm. um, and so that's why before we get into any specifics or I, the last thing I want to have happen is to try to talk individually to a parent about their child um, after they've brought them and there's a problem. Yeah. It's so much better to lay out all the ground rules mm-hmm. and then to have an ongoing dialogue about the ground rules so that they typically will initiate the conversation mm-hmm. early um, so that it doesn't become what feels like a correction, which mm-hmm. for a lot of parents is just more than they can take. So on the other side of that, uh, some what are some childcare options? And yeah. Like creative ideas without breaking the bank. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, typically the, the, they fall into a couple categories. There's the rotating um, sort of adult who's in the group. And so you have different people that are actually a part of the group, say at a given week, you know, we're gonna have a schedule 
and different people are just going to have to do um, some childcare. That's mm-hmm. the least expensive option. Uh, a lot of people don't like to do that. You know, it's like, oh, my one night to go and be with the this community I want to be a part of, and, and I'm watching the kids. Um, so sometimes people resist that, but that's we've done that a lot, um, and that can work. And mm-hmm. you just have to just c- continually tell people, hey, we have a huge value for having our kids here, having some of them involved. We all have to be part of the solution to that. Mm-hmm. Um, the second option is you pay for childcare in your house. And so, you know, if they were doing it in a house, so you have uh, a room set aside for, for children and you usually have a list of babysitters that you, know, you have to coordinate. Um, the biggest obstacle there is always getting everyone to chip in. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I, I try to encourage the group to do is just say, hey, let's all chip in, even if your kids aren't doing childcare. Like this is mm-hmm. kind of a group. We're trying to facilitate this group as a group. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just say it's fifty dollars a week or whatever it is. Um, let's all try to try to meet that need together and yeah. and just emphasize that and, and bring that. The, the third option is childcare in the home, um, where where the parents have to pay for their own childcare, or sometimes the group will help you know mm-hmm. spring for childcare in the home, which can be really critical. I mean, a lot of kids, if you have really young kids that are going to bed at seven or eight o'clock and you want your group to be open-ended or go later, the best option is to have childcare in the home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's also usually the, the simplest on the group um, mm-hmm. of the three options, but usually by far the most expensive. Right. So that, that's what you're always balancing in these things, is these values of, of cost, um, cost benefit. Uh, and then you're, you're always balancing the question of of the value of integrating the kids or being with your kids. Sure. So I want to back up for just a second and kind of transition to the the second of our topics today. And, you know, the I'm pairing these together because there I think there's a lot of commonality between them. You know, as you were talking about groups in general and the the value of an integrated community, I think you're hinting at some of this. You know, throughout the New Testament especially um, over and over, the, the writers used family and parenting metaphors to talk about the church and to talk about spiritual development, things like that. This almost gives this picture of like a spiritual parenting. Right. Um, and a lot of the things that you're saying, you know, contribute to that kind of picture and how you're viewing a group. Right. So, you know, I would love to have you tease out a little bit, like, what are the, what are the parallels that exist there between you know how I how I parent kids and how I spiritually build into them, and then how as a leader I view a group and how I'm spiritually building into them and those mm-hmm. sorts of things. Yeah, yeah, I, I do believe that disciple making, helping people grow in their faith, is in the Bible especially compared to parenting primarily more than any other analogy, and that can be really challenging for us because we have even negative words for that. We call it patronizing or, you know, like <laughs> when you're at, treating somebody like a child. And so we, we don't like that in our culture. We don't like the thought of, because it creates a hierarchy that, that we're a little uncomfortable with. We're growing more uncomfortable with, but the Bible's very comfortable with it. Um, and I think we need to, there's a there's great cost to, um, to trying to say, look, we're all equal. I know you've been a believer for 20 years and you've grown to this place where you really understand how to walk with God and I've only been a believer for a month, but we're equal, right? Like it's a good idea for that person to actually take the initiative and help me walk through some of the stages that they've already walked through. Mm-hmm. And the Bible encourages that and it really talks about it in parental terms. A couple of the verses that really stand out to me, there's one in First Corinthians where Paul says directly to an entire church, you've had a thousand guardians um, in Christ, but not many fathers. 
and I've been a father to you. And as a father, I'm going to send to you my son, Timothy. This is language that you don't hear very often. Or the first time Jesus refers to this new community that's going to emerge after after he he dies and, re- and resurrected in Mark 10, he talks about how the, the disciples were starting to freak out. They were, they were saying to Jesus, what are you doing? There had just been an event where he had turned off a major ruler. Um, and they, 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 they looked at Jesus and they said, what, what are you trying to do? Mm-hmm. And he, one of his answers to comfort them was, he said to them, you're going to find that you'll have a hundred times more father, or more mothers, brothers, sisters, and you know, fields and homes and with that persecution and at the end eternal life. So Jesus, his first, his first comparison of this new community that was going to emerge he, was this, this beautiful, abundant family. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the context he was in, that was all good. Like the family was the strongest unit, the most faithful unit, a very loyal uh, first century Jewish families were, were among the most stable, loving, and, uh, and engaging families you would ever hope to meet. Um, mm-hmm. they, they were trained by the Torah to really build into their children, uh, to, to take care of, of their children. And so it was a culture that really had, was, was where the family was, was known, where fathers and mothers were really aware of their roles. Um, today, it's tough because I think um, a lot of us, you know, we, we haven't had great experiences maybe with our parents, um, and we don't have great associations with those words. And um, so that when we hear the Bible use this language, it sounds hokey or it sounds almost scary. Um, and so uh, I, I try to talk about these things in terms of maybe words that we're more familiar with or have better associations with. Um, like an example is coach. Um, you know, uh, a father um, in, the, in the New Testament would look more like a coach to a lot of modern people than modern fathers look like fathers from the first century. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, were, they were constantly working with their children to like really try to hone their skills, to try to, because mm-hmm. they were gonna represent and inherit all their assets of the family someday. Um, so similarly in groups or when you're trying to grow spiritually, we need coaching. We mm-hmm. need people, like mm-hmm. we talk about life coaching. Um, that happens, you know, in the in the culture at large. In in the church, we need we need spiritual coaching. We need people that have the permission to to say direct things to us to help us. Um, and you know, there's a there's a phrase <clears throat> um, that I really found helpful, and that was if you equalize everyone, you neutralize everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we, we live in a culture that is obsessed with equalizing everyone, mm-hmm. and there's a problem with that when we're not equal. When some people have a lot more experience than other people, they need to help the ones that don't have as much experience, and so we need to provide that. I think the idea of spiritual parenting is a really good good way to think of it. There's an authority aspect to this right. that some people are just not going to be yeah. comfortable with. Um, can you kind of unpack that for us? Yeah. And, and and how to approach? Yeah, and I think that's that's um, that's going to be a, one of the challenges. That's that's why I think uh, using some language that where authority isn't the dominant uh, thing that is is comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Like in coaching, I can choose to be a part of a team, and if I am, you know, I, I need somebody that can help uh, help help the team. Counseling, like there, there are different words that we we mm-hmm. use that are that where the participants very much a voluntary part of the equation as opposed to some kind of like you know the, the back door gets locked and I'm mm-hmm. now stuck in an authority relationship. So I would say that the way to think about the authority relationship is be thoughtful about who you're, what group you're going to, um, and and make sure that 
you trust the people. If it's not working out for some reason, then certainly don't feel like you need to stay. However, if it is working out and somebody is really building into your life and they are really helping you and you can tell that they really love you and care about you, then, then give them increasingly more trust and more room to say harder or um, or give it you even like assignments. You know, yeah. that's a basic idea. It's like, hey, I want you to try this this week. Uh, or have you ever thought about doing this? So I think I think instead of thinking that somebody has a seizes authority, which is really scary, over time as trust is built, you can you can give authority to someone in a really healthy relationship. And in the church, that's really important because otherwise we're not really going to grow to the kind of to the place where we need to get to as believers. That's good. Um, kind of before before we get to before we kind of wrap things up, one more more piece about that. You know, to to flip the scale back to the other, and you mentioned you know there's a lot of us that have a lot of experience. What would you say to the the leader that's listening right now going, I don't feel like I'm equipped for this at all. I don't feel like I feel like I'm brand new to this. I don't feel like I know any more than the people I'm trying to lead. Um, how do they come at this mindset given that that feeling and and maybe that reality? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it, if it is if you are really new and you're trying to um and you're you're trying to step out and, and to say I really want to help and host a group or be a part of a group, then I would say it's important to to try to yourself get some coaching or find somebody who can build into you. You know, in, in this kind of relationship, you, you you if you're one step ahead of someone, you have something to, to share with them that they don't know or they don't understand. Um, another way to think about this is also be part of a team. Like if, if you're if you feel like there's a lot of people who are very gifted at hosting, crafting environments where everyone feels comfortable, but maybe they're newer or the, or coaching or teaching isn't their main thing. But there are other people who are amazing at teaching, have a lot of knowledge, uh, have a lot of experience, um, but they aren't as good or comfortable with hosting. And so I find just just teaming up with people mm-hmm. is really helpful. I mean, we're a body. Not no one person has all the gifts, and the only way we really grow is as a group, and and so we need each other. Mm-hmm. So I would say that if you're feeling that way, um, you you are you have some spiritual gifts from the Holy Spirit that that you need to give away, and you need to confidently do that. But you also don't need to bring everything. Mm-hmm. Um, team up with the body, other people, and and then especially in areas where you feel like you might you might be weaker, mm-hmm. and then as a group, you can really build each other up. That's good. All right, so let's get really practical here and give our group leaders a pro tip on what they can do this week around being a spiritual parent or a coach uh, to their their group members. Yeah, um, yeah. I would say if there was like one one thing, I think you need to on a regular basis talk to identify the people that you're you're in that kind of relationship with. Um, and and just have even even a brief check-in every week. It, mm. it, to me, a lot of coaching is about the rhythm, mm-hmm. and and sticking with uh, a strong rhythm. So, you know, and you can do that if you you don't in a group. You can do that through texting, through a quick phone call. What what people tend to need in coaching is they need they don't know the next step, and so you just a lot of it's about establishing a weekly check-in where you're we're saying how did your last week go, um, what worked and what didn't. And then what are you going to try next week? And oftentimes with that last question, they need help. And mm-hmm. so you're like, here, here are some ideas or here's something. Or if, if they, you don't know, say, hey, let me think about that. 
maybe ask a few people and I'd like to get back to you and talk about maybe what's an, another step for what you're working on. So mm-hmm. that, that's a simple way to think about, about the process of coaching. So, so last thing for our listeners, because it's really easy with, with a lot of these topics to, to think through them and go, man, that's really great for them. They're an expert. I'm, I don't know any of this. I feel really overwhelmed. I'm guaranteed to fail. Can you give us you know, some kind of example or story in kind of in either one of these topics, whether it's more the, the spiritual parenting end or just the, the practical, logistical, having kids in a group, yeah. you know, where, where this just, you, despite your best laid plans, it yeah. just went sideways. You know, it's sometimes helpful to have that reminder, like it's, it's never going to be perfect. You're okay. Yeah. I remember we got really idealistic once about like having little kids in the group. And there was a time where there was, I think, 12 people in our group, and we had little kids everywhere. And there was a woman who was the one single woman in the group, and she was, like, really pouring her heart out. And it was getting to a place of, like, you know, this is intense for her. And I looked around, and it was, like, me and one other person left in the room because all the parents were chasing the kids, you know, all over the place. And then it ended with one of the kids, um, you know, taking their diaper off right in the middle of the room. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and because they had they wanted to be changed, and uh, I remember just it was it was a really dark moment um, in, uh, in my idealistic uh, perspective on wanting to integrate children into groups. So um, since then we've had successes or better times, but for sure if you try to go to that extreme, you're gonna have those moments where it's like, oh my gosh, uh, how is this ever gonna work? And that was one of those for us for sure. Oh. That's rough. <laughs> That's rough. Well, Jeremy, thanks for coming in today. Yeah, thank this you. This is awesome. This is super, super good stuff. Uh, Jamie, what are we talking about next time? Did you look it up? You know I have to. You looked if it I don't, up. I don't, I don't even want to know now because you looked it up. Well, it takes all the fun out of it. What are we talking about? We're talking time? about very draining people. Ooh. I know some very draining people. <laughs> not you. Not you. Not, I know I'm looking at you because I'm talking. No, oh, we're done. All right. <laughs> Join us next time.